1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to start with verse 42. <clears throat> and it reads, so also, yeah, 1 Corinthians 15. Right. Start with verse 42. It says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. That's two. It is sown in weakness. Three. And is raised in power. And fourth, it is sown a natural body. And is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body. There is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last man, Adam, the last Adam, was made a quickening spirit. How bet that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. Verse 49, the last verse. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now, uh, we're going to talk to you today. I want you to look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor and tell him, neighbor, it's not over until I rise. Look, look at somebody else and tell him, it's not over until I rise. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this time that we're about to share. We pray now, God, for your, just your love and your power and your anointing to this, this, in this place. Just continue to be in here. God, I ask that the Spirit can do what I can't do. And we love you. We praise you. I submit to you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The track. Take the track. Mute that track for me. Thank you. Hallelujah. It's not over until I rise. Okay. The, the book of, of Corinthians. Uh, Paul wrote this. The Apostle Paul. Paul wrote this to a church. Uh, that he found in the city of Corinth in Greece. All right. So now we have to understand now that uh, Corinth is a city in southern Greece. Uh, it prospered as a major trade city, uh, not only for Greece, but much of the Mediterranean. It, uh, it was a very busy place uh, because it was the trading central uh, for uh, northern Africa, uh, for Asia Minor and also for Italy. So there were always all kinds of people uh, coming into uh, Corinth, the city of Corinth. Um, uh, but in, in the, in the same, also the city of Corinth was what we call a pagan city. They did not believe in God, but even for a pagan city, even for a city that did not believe in God, they were also, they were deemed morally corrupt. 
even for non-believers. They were deemed morally corrupt. So to Corinthianize or, or to, yeah, to Corinthianize something was always to bring moral depravity to it, always to bring it down. It was always a, a, a negative connotation. Am I making sense? And so we have to understand now that, that some of the things that, that um, the church or, or that the city of Corinth was filled with were some of the things that were addressed in chapter 6, uh, verse 9 here in 1 Corinthians. Uh, fornicators was an issue. Fornication was an issue in Corinth. Idolatry was an issue in Corinth. Adultery was an issue in Corinth. Homosexuality was an issue in Corinth. Uh, abuse was an issue in Corinth. Thieves Thieving and, and stealing was an issue in Corinth. Uh, coveting was an issue. Drunk, uh, drunkards were issues. Um, re uh, revelers and those are people that abuse with their words. That was an issue in Corinth. And extortioners. There, there were all issues that that Paul addressed specifically uh, in the book of Corinth uh, because these are what was. This is what was going on, not just in the city, but in the church that he set up. Am I making sense? So we have to understand now, uh, to give you a little bit more uh, uh, background upon the city, the city has had what they call an Acropolis. An Acropolis is a high city. It stood about 2,000 feet high, uh, and, and it was a, uh, a temple that was built there. And the temple uh, that was built there was built for the goddess of love, which was called Aphrodite, the goddess of love. And what they would have, they had about 100, they had about 1,000 priestesses um, that, that, were, that, that would... Uh, coming to the city at night and, 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 and pretty much what they, what they really were, they were religious prostitutes. And, and they, they were coming to the city at night and they would work the streets at night and have sex with men and they would do this all in the name of worship. And, and not only was this going on in the city, this was going on in the church. The church of Corinth was where they were having sexual orgies in the name of the Lord. They were incorporating their idol worship into what God's worship was. Am I making sense? Paul founded the church of Corinth in uh, Acts chapter 6 um, with, uh, with uh, two women, Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, and he st of course, he started the church um, like he started any other church uh, in, in his missionary journeys. He started by preaching in the synagogues. He went to their Jewish synagogues and began to preach the name of Jesus, began to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, and Paul had a very hard, uh, had a very uh, hard time in the church of Corinth. He, now, he preached there for about a year and a half, but he had a very hard time in getting people saved there because of the immorale. The, the, the city was in such a, a sinful state that it, he had a hard time preaching the gospel and people receiving it. Am I, am I making sense? So, so he, he's there and he starts this church with a Priscilla and Aquila and then afterwards uh, Silas and Timothy, this is all in Acts chapter 6, Silas and Timothy later on join him and he begins to preach even harder and even more aggressive uh, and he eventually gets arrested. That was Paul's life. Preach the gospel, get arrested. Preach the gospel, get arrested. Preach the gospel, get arrested, get thrown in jail, almost get killed, escape, preach the gospel. That, that was his, his life, preaching the gospel. Every time he preached an awesome word, he, he couldn't go and enjoy uh, uh, the fruits of it. Every time he preached the word of God because he went to the most demonized areas. Because he, he, he preached in some of the most uh, uh, difficult areas. Every time he preached the word, the unadulterated word of God, he was always being attacked. 
both spiritually and physically. Paul spent a majority of his life in jail not because he's done anything wrong, but simply because he preached the gospel. So, so here we have, we, have, we have Paul here who, um, who, who gets arrested, of course, in, in Corinth. But before he does, uh, uh, somebody ends up getting saved. His name was Crispus. He was the leader of the synagogue. The leader of the synagogue and his family got saved. And through that, and that's a big thing, through that became now, now, the, church of, now the church of Corinth. The, the church of the living God at Corinth now is being birthed. And so now Paul moves on after about a year and a half and he goes to Ephesus with Aquila and Priscilla and then he starts getting letters. He starts getting letters because what he's realizing is that Corinth is having an issue of separating their culture from their worship. He's getting letters because now he's starting to realize that not only are they fornicating but now also other issues are going, the incest is going on in the church. All, all of this, all, he's, getting, he's, getting, he's getting all of these, these problems. They're writing him. And, and before he wrote, a lot of theologians believe that before he began to write First and Second Corinthians, uh, that he also wrote a letter before that that was not notarized or that was not uh, taken in consideration or maybe had gotten lost. But he had already sent a, a letter to correct some issues so that when he wrote the book Church of Corinth, you see some of the language is saying, I'm writing you again. I'm telling you again. I'm, I'm reiterating again because he was sending letters to correct the issue. But then the issue would persist even further. Because the church of Corinth had an issue. Their issue was that they could not break away from the culture that came from the city. They were carnal. The church of Corinth was carnal and they were immature. We know this because in the, one of the um, issues that Paul addressed in the book of Corinth was the issue he had with Apollos, uh, Peter, uh, Jesus Christ, and Paul. Because what happened was a, a man by the name of Apollos, who was a great preacher, came to the church of Corinth, preached a great word, and all the people loved him so much they began to break into little groups and began to break into little sects they, they began to split the church and then you had those that loved Apollo so they gave themselves to Apollos they, they followed him only then you had those that, that had a dying love for and, and gratitude for Paul the founder of the church and then, so then they, that was another group then they had those that had some, some type of a feeling or some type of relationship with Cephas, which is known as, which we also know as Apostle Peter uh, and then that was a group and then you had some that were Jesus only have I know about them Jesus only? Amen. They, they're not giving themselves a no man. I ain't following no man. I'm following Jesus only. So, so, so here in the, in the church of Corinth, you have all these issues. And the funny thing is that the church of Corinth looks like many of the churches in the Western Hemisphere. Many of the churches. Believe it or not, incest is still going on. But believe it or not, adultery and fornication is still going on in the church. Believe it or not, people are still stealing. Believe it or not, people are still abusing others verbally. But believe it or not, this is what's going on. And what this, when these issues arise, what it shows is that the church struggles with separating from their culture. It shows immaturity. Am I making sense in this room? And see, when a church is immature, a church can't grow. 
when a, when a church is immature and don't know what are they supposed to stand on and, 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 and always making immature mistakes, always making mis- baby mistakes, they can't grow because people that are of mature nature don't want no mess. You, you're not going to talk to me in this. In this, in this room. I, I know where you come from. You're used to hanging out with the jigaboos and, you know, everybody's getting drunk and high and saying everything to everybody and stealing everything from everybody. And that's just how your world is. That's how your culture is. But that's not how it's supposed to be in the house of the Lord. I, I know where you come from. Everybody sleep around. If you like them, you sleep with them. But, but that's not how it should be. In the house of the Lord, in the house of the Lord, I know, I know you're used to speaking your mind and getting mad and saying whatever you want, but that's not how it should be in the house of God. And this is what Paul was dealing with here in Corinth. He was dealing with a bunch of immature people that kept coming to him with issues. And every time he corrected the issue, months later, he'll get another letter about another issue that was worse than the one he just corrected. So, so, so now, so now Paul is dealing with this. So now it's getting so bad that Paul's like, look, look, I got to show up. I got to come myself. And his, in his mind, he had his, in, his, in his mind that he was going to visit the church of Corinth. I don't believe he made it there because he ended up dying before that. But, but in his mind, he had himself charted to go back to the church of Corinth to deal with these issues himself. And, and, and so, so, like I said, they had a hard time now separating from their culture. And, and, and what ended up happening in, in the book of uh, Corinthians 1st and 2nd, Paul had to reiterate, reinstate certain doctrinal truths. Because anytime you have an immature church that has all this sin in it, uh, the doctrine cannot stand. Am I making am I making issues here? Uh, so 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 what I'm, what I'm saying is that the the, the issue here is, is that that they, this church was so immature that they could not handle the meat. They couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle it. Paul would tell them, set up a, a, a doctrinal truth, and then you know it looked like it was all right, but as soon as he turned it back, it failed. And one of the doctrinal truths, hallelujah, uh, that Paul taught that they received that now they were doubting was the resurrection. They were not, they were coming against the resurrection, not just the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but the resurrection of the dead. This, this is, I'm telling you, this is big. Because not only are they saying that Jesus didn't rise, they're saying that there's no resurrection at all. They're coming against what Christianity was being built upon, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because if Christ had not risen, none of us. You ain't going to talk to me in this room in here. I know we think that it's just something we celebrate once a year at Easter. We go buy a nice white suit and we go on a boardwalk and we take pictures and all. But let me tell you something. It's something bigger than that. It's something greater than that. It ain't got nothing to do with Cadbury eggs and candy. We're celebrating the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And they're denying the fact that there is a resurrection. So, so now I want you to understand something now that he specifically waits. I believe he waits until the second to the last chapter to deal with this because of the severity of the issue. So, so, so now, now I didn't read a lot of it, but, but let me just explain something here that, that, that this is the reason that if Christ did not rise, it poses three, three issues that he dealt with here right in 15. I didn't read these, but these are upper in 15, a little earlier in the verses, and you can read them later. He says now, if Christ did not rise, then preaching in our faith is in vain. That's the first thing he said off the bat. He said, if you're telling me that there's no resurrection, he said, the first thing you're telling me is that Christ didn't rise. 
He said, if Christ didn't rise, then what you're telling me is that what I preach and what all the other apostles preach and what has been preached to you and what we believe is now in vain. Can you imagine, my God? I know some people say, I'd rather believe in God because at the end, I just don't know what's going to happen and I'll take the safe bet and believe in God because, no, no, I'll come out and tell you that there is no such thing as a safe bet. Believing in God is the only bet. Whether you want to believe it or not, it don't make a difference. But I stop by here to tell you, in the end, you are either going to heaven or you're going to hell. Either you're going to reign with him or you're not going to reign with one or the other. There is no, there is no in between. And so what he's saying is that imagine that all that we've been preaching, all that we believe in now is just gone. Your testimony, gone. Your healing, gone. Huh? The breakthroughs that you made in life that you know only came from being on your knees. Gone. All that time you put in fasting and praying, just gone. He says your faith in vain. The second thing he says, if Christ did not rise, he says, he says, then, he says that those that have died in Christ are perished. That means those that have died earlier on in the Lord, those, those that have died in the Old Testament, those that had died in the New Testament because of Christ. He says these people, he says those people that we know that died in the Lord, even now family members that we had that we know that died in the Lord. He says that if Christ not rise, they are perished. What use is to celebrate life when life is gone? We celebrate life at a funeral. Because we know that there's a next stage. That they just died to this world, but they didn't die eternal. Am I making sense in this room? But he said, if Christ not rise, he says, then all those that died before now are perished. Third, he says now, he says now Christ didn't rise. He says, we, the only hope we have is in this life. He, that's what he said. He says, if Christ did not rise, then we don't have anything else to look for then what is going on right here and right now in this world and our lives? And he says, we are men most miserable. What kind of God will allow us, that's supposed to love us so much, will allow us to only experience what this life has to offer? Y'all don't know what I'm talking about in this room. Some of us have been going through some hell. Some of us have been going uh, through some situations. Some of us have been sick for so long, and, and we look for that day. We, we look. We have faith. We believe in that day. But what kind of God would just leave us? Well, what kind of God would, would, would just, after him giving us, what kind of God would just this forsake us? What kind of God would just allow us to die in our sins? Well, what kind of God would just allow for us just to keep wallowing in our mess time after time? What kind of God is that that we will serve that when we pray to him would not answer? What kind of God? He said we will be men most miserable. Because all of us in this room right now uh, have some issues and some ailments and some struggles that we are dealing with in our life. And the only thing that gets us out of bed in the morning sometimes is the hope of glory. You're not going to talk to me in this room. To know that I'm living this life to live again. I can't lay in this bed all day long. I can't lay in this situation all day long. I can't lay here in this problem all day long. Because I know there's a God that there's somebody bigger than me. That's pushing for me. That's pulling me up. What kind of God? That had all the answers but yet not have our answer. What kind of God would leave us in a destitute place? Not our God. Oh, I don't know who I'm talking to this in this room. But I come to encourage you, our God wouldn't leave us there. 
oh my God, that's against his nature. The Bible says he'll never leave us nor forsake. You ain't going to talk to me. In this. That's, it's against his nature to leave us sick. The Bible says we, he was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. It's against God's nature to leave us sick. It's against God's nature, nature to leave us distraught and paralyzed with life and, dis- and discouraged. It's against God's nature. God will not leave us in this situation. I wish I was talking to somebody in this room. I'm just trying to encourage you that I know you feel alone sometimes. I know it gets hard sometimes. I know it's a struggle sometimes. I know you feel like you're losing your mind sometimes. But I've stopped by here to tell you when everybody else fails and all else fails and family are sleeping, you still awake and kids are sleeping, you still awake and job don't want to let you uh, get no overtime and, and, and you getting fired and, and everything is breaking out in your life. I've stopped by here to tell you there's still somebody you can depend on. When your mother don't want you no more, your spouse is giving up on you. When your friends are turning their backs on you, there's still somebody that's hanging on. Am I talking to somebody in this room? It's not God's nature to let you die in that situation. It's not God's nature to keep you stuck in that situation. It's not who God is to keep you where you are. My God will tear heaven up to bless you. You ain't going to talk to me in this place. He'll rip open a jail cell to come rescue you. You ain't going to talk to me in this room. He'll make time set still to come get you out of trouble. Am I talking to somebody in this room? He'll make your enemies your stepping stool just to elevate you to where you need to be. Am I, that's the kind of God that we serve. We serve a God that will turn, uh, that will turn uh, bread uh, or rocks into bread if he need be in order to get us out of trouble. He'll feed us in the desert. We serve a God that will feed us, send us food straight from heaven. Am I talking to anybody in this room? You wondering how you still made it? You wondering how you got through it? You wondering why you're still alive? I've stopped by here to tell you it's nothing but the grace of God. Baby ain't got nothing to do with how much you come to church. I ain't saying stop coming to church. Keep on coming. But I've stopped by here to tell you you ain't doing nothing good enough to let make God bless you. Oh my God. He's blessing you because he's inside of you. You're missing this right now. And the Bible says greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. God said I'm blessing myself. You got to come out of this thing because I can't deny myself. Woo. Touch your neighbor and say access granted baby. Access access granted everything you've been praying for everything you've been dreaming about everything that you've been discouraged about every door you thought was shut I've stopped by here to tell you that in this four year coming up going into the fifth year access has been granted I wish I, oh, this ain't enough people in this room. I'm talking to some folks that have been down and out. You felt like killing yourself. You felt like running away from your problem. You felt like laying in a, in a ditch somewhere. You felt like just swallowing in your mess. But if God wouldn't let you, now would he? God kept sending people to speak a word even when you didn't want to hear it. He kept sending people to poke you even when you didn't want to feel it. He kept sending people to somebody, I'm praying for you. Even when you didn't want to be prayed for. Am I talking to anybody in this room? That's a witness that God wouldn't allow me to stay where I was. He said, I can't leave him down there. Hallelujah. 
I, I'm not going and I'm not going to do it according to what I think they deserve. My God, I'm not going to give them what they deserve, but I'm going to give them what they didn't ask for. I'm going to call them up from out the muck and mire. I'm going to pull them out from the trenches of hell. Is there anybody in this room that remembers when you were locked up? Is there anybody in this room that remembers when you were bound? Is there anybody in this room that remembers when you couldn't walk? But God. Somebody yell, but God. But God, but God, but God. It was God who did it. It was, it was, I thank God for the doctors, but it was God who did it. I thank God for all those that prayed for me, but it was God who did it. I thank God for a good family support system, but it was God who did it. Is there anybody here witness uh, that knows that if God don't do it, it ain't going to get done? The church of Corinth was coming against God's nature. <laughs> they were coming against his essence. They were coming against his character. They were rejecting who God was. Because they couldn't wrap their minds, my God, around the revelation of a resurrection. I've stopped by here to tell you that you ain't going to get no revelation that's going to fit in your mind. That's, the, that's why we miss God so much because we're trying to fit God in his mind. God is trying to break out your mind. We broke out. He, he is uh, non-limitless. He has no limit to him. Here, You're trying to put him in your brain, in your, in your perception. You're trying to put him in your rationale. Oh, you ain't going to talk to me in this room. If you're going to get a revelation from God, it's gonna have to, it's, you're going to have to allow it to stretch your mind. You're going to have to think like you never thought. You ain't going to talk to me in this room. You're going to have to accept some things and realize that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called. Am I talking to somebody? I'm not saying I like every situation God puts me in. I'm not saying I like everything that happens in my life. I ain't saying I'm happy with everything that God decides. But I know one thing before it's all over. All things are going to work together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And I wish I was talking about 20 people in this room that would just stand with me and let the devil know that you're not shutting my mouth. That as long as I got a use of my limbs... I'm going to give him a praise as long as I got dancing in my feet. I'm going to give him a praise as long as I can pray. I'm going to pray. And if I can't open my mouth, I'm going to let my mind praise God for me. Is there anybody in this room that's ready to give God any kind of praise? Just give him any kind of praise. You had some close calls, but you made it. You had some disappointments, but you made it. You had some things hanging in the balance that no one's going to connect or not, but you made it. As you look back over your life, you realize everything that was meant for evil. God turned it around for you. Am I talking to anybody in this room that's a product of a turnaround? Baby Sandy might have came and hit us directly, but the devil still didn't get the victory. Because what the devil meant for evil... God's going to turn it around. Is there anybody in this room that stands as a witness that I'm a product of a turnaround? 
I'm a product of a turnaround. I'm a product of a turnaround. I still should be going to the whorehouse. I should still be locked up in jail. I still should be fighting the weed man on the street. But thanks be unto God, what the devil God turning around. He turned it around. He turned it around. High five about five people and tell him he turned it around. So, so what we have to understand, we have to better understand the process. See, see what the what the intellectual Grecians didn't understand because the people from Greece are very intellectual, very stimulus, very, you know, they, they, very stimulating conversations. Aristotle and a lot of the great philosophers of, of ancient times that we read about in history came from Greece. So they were great thinkers, abstract thinkers, but they didn't have no Holy Ghost. That wasn't the Holy Ghost talking. That was man's knowledge talking. And the Bible says that lets us know uh, that man's knowledge is foolishness when it comes to God. So, so wait, wait, wait. they didn't understand the process. Am I making sense in this room? Of a resurrection. Yeah, they, they didn't understand the, the process. They, they looked, they, 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 they extract, extracted the revelation and put it into his own separate box. And they didn't look at everything that has to happen before resurrection takes place. Am I talking to somebody in this room? And the problem with us is that we do the same things uh, that this church of Corinth does. We deny the resurrection every time we think God ain't gonna bring us out. Every time we doubt that God's gonna do what he said he's gonna do. Y'all ain't gonna talk to me in here. We fall into the trenches of the mindset of the church of Corinth because we lack uh, the knowledge of the process. Because before there's a resurrection, there has to be a death. Y'all not going to talk to me in this room. And so what I'm realizing is that God's whole purpose is death. Death. Believe it or not, like it or not. The Bible says it's appointed once for man to die. And then after death is what? The judgment. We can't get to the judgment until we die. It'll make sense. The Bible says if, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All old things must die. We can't, we can't get to who we need to be in God until something dies. Am I talking to somebody in this room? And, and, and we have to un understand that anything that connects to you that dies has the ability to cause you to die. Oh, you ain't going to talk to me in this room. We have to understand that there was some innocent people that have died just because who they were connected to. Oh, God. Somebody blow your arm off. Yeah, you, you're going you're gonna to end up dying if you don't get no help. Because anything that, attached, that is attached to you that dies will kill you in the process. You ain't going to talk to me in this room. But some things got to die. Some things you're going to have to die with. But I wish I had some folks here that ain't afraid to die. 
Because I've stopped by here to tell you that the reason why we don't have to be afraid to die is because the end result of death is resurrection. Y'all ain't going to talk to me in this room. And so the Bible says that after you die, you got to be buried. Hallelujah. And some of us don't want to be buried. Because when you're buried, you're having pounds of dirt piled up on top of you to the point to where you can't see, you can't breathe, to the point to where you people are, are looking down on you, weeping over you because they don't see no way that you can come back. You ain't going to talk to me in this room. You got people right now uh, at your tombstone uh, crying over you. Your sisters are crying over you. Your, your loved ones are crying over you because all they see is their, their loved one encapsulated behind a tomb. But I'll stop by here to tell you uh, that Christ loves you so much he'll even shed a tear. Hmm. But he'll only shed a tear because the Bible says mourn with those that mourn. But the Bible also says rejoice with those that rejoice. And he realizes that after the morning comes the rejoicing. God realizes that if he shows up to your gravesite, hallelujah, that he has the word, hallelujah, in his mouth that your body's going to respond to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you have to understand that when you, God resurrects you, the only thing that's going to come out of this resurrection is what God can use in this next phase of life. Oh, God. Look at your name and say, Susie ain't coming back with you. Now, just leave Susie where she at. Yeah, 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 please, please, Susie, stop trying to resurrect Susie. Every time something look good for you, you want to incorporate. Susie is gone. God's been trying to detach you from her from the longest time. It's over. Hallelujah. But when God says, but when I resurrect you, what I'm bringing you back with is with everything I can use. He says, you're coming back better than you was than what you died with. I wish I was talking to there's somebody in this room. God says, God says, you think you lost something last year. You ain't lose nothing. Baby, you just lost the game. The Bible says that if a man wants to live, he says if he, he has to take up his cross and follow me. He says if a man wants to find his life, he got to first lose his life. I wish I was talking to some people in this room. The only thing, the only reason why you lost so much last year, the only reason why you lost so much last season is because God's preparing you for the new life. All those friends you thought you needed. Hey, God said, I, they can't, I can't use them in the new life. All those relationships you thought you needed. God says, I can't use them in the new life. I'm trying to work something greater in you. I'm trying to make you greater than you was before. And the only way to do that is to take you through a death process. The children of Israel. God says, I have to take you through an exodus. Children of Israel had to go through some stuff. Huh? Isn't that what the Bible said? They had to go through some stuff. Listen, listen, they, had, they were sown into Egypt. Isn't that what the Bible says right here? Look, he says, he says in, in uh, chapter 15 in our scripture, he says uh, in verse, verse 42, he, he says, it is sown in corruption. You were sown in corruption. <laughs> Hallelujah. Isn't that what the children of Israel were? Look back in the book of Exodus, the, in, at the end of Genesis, the Bible says that Joseph ended up being in Egypt and all the Israelites had to come to Egypt to get fed. And then the place where they came to get fed, they ended up being enslaved to. Oh God. They, they were sown in corruption. My God. But God had to bring them out. Am I talking to somebody in this room? He had to bring them out. The Bible says you were sown into corruption. He says, but you're going to be raised in incorruption. 
I wish I was talking to somebody in this room. That's why in this resurrection process now, he, 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 says, he says there's things that are trying to reattach that can't reattach. Because you ain't got the same body. Y'all not going to talk to me in this room. You think because you look the same that you're the same. But look at your name. I'm the new creature, baby. I can't bring that with me this time. My God. When God raised me up, when God raised me up, he gave me something incorruptible. Yes, I might have to go through another process of death, burial, and resurrection. But every time I go up, I'm coming back. Every time I go down, I'm going to come back up. Am I talking to somebody right now that's in your down? I've stopped by to tell you you've been down before. This ain't, don't act like this is something new. Don't act like this is devastating. Don't act like you ain't never been through nothing and yet you still survived and yet you still bounced back and yet you still came back because it's in your nature because God says I'm working something far greater in you and every time I need something dead in you, I'll take it back down in the trenches. Oh God. Because only hell can burn hell off. You ain't gonna talk to me in this room. Sometimes we got to go to hell to lose the hell in us. He, said, he, says you were, he says you were sown in corruption, but you're going to be raised in, in corruption. He says you were sown in dishonor. Shame. There's been some stuff you did in your life you're ashamed about. Dishonor, that's what that means, shame. There's been some, there's been some mistakes you made that, that, you, that you are not that you, that you are not uh, uh, proud of, that you feel, still feel the effects of, that you still rumble through your mind, there's still some guilt that you still struggle with. But I've stopped by here to tell you that there's some good news. The Bible says you were sown in dishonor, but you're going to be raised in glory. You're not going to talk to me in this room. Then he say that. Then he say he said he said who I, who 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 I predestined him. I also called who I called. I justified and who I justify. I'll glorify. God, listen, God is raising you up. I know you ain't did everything right. I know you made some mistakes. I, I know some people know your business, but I've stopped by here to tell you. God said I'm going to raise you in honor. And when I raise you up, folks are going to have to respect you. Not because of who you are. Not because of what your last name is. But because of what you've been through. And because you survived it. And so you, go, you used to look like a vessel of dishonor. But they're going to look at you and see that you're still standing. And they're going to honor the God in you. Because they're going to know that there was no way that you could have made it out what you made it out of. Except for the help and the grace of God. Am I talking to somebody in this room? He said you were sold in dishonor, but you're going to be raised in glory. You were sown in weakness. Huh? Frailty. Deals with temptation. He said you were sown in that. Because you were born a human being. So, so, so you were tempted, my God. But thanks be unto God. The Bible says, he says, but when I get finished with you, he, he says, I'm going to raise you in power. I'm going to raise you in power. I'm, I'm gonna, so that means that, that the things that you used to be tempted by, I'm going to give you power over. He says, you've been sown a natural body, but I'm raising you up a spiritual body. Hallelujah. Now, I just want to deal with this, and I'm finished. The Bible says that Adam was the first man made a living soul, and then the last Adam was a quickening spirit. The Bible says that the spiritual is not first. That the natural process is first. 
Some of us want the spiritual awakenings and don't want to go through the natural processes. I ain't say it was fair. Come on here, somebody. You mind your business and cancer hit your body. I ain't said it was fair. Huh, you minding your business and all of a sudden they're giving you a pink slip on the job and you can barely feed your kids now. I'm not saying it's fair. But I'm saying that in order for you to get to where God wants to resurrect you to, you're going to go through some natural things. I'm not talking to somebody in this room. And he said, he said, he says, look, look, here's what he said. He said here, he said, Adam was formed first naturally. Here upon the earth. His body was formed, and then he became a living soul after the spirit. Listen, if whatever you're going through in your flesh, you have not began to live yet. Your life doesn't begin until your spirit quickens. You, you, you don't begin to live until you resurrect. Am I talking to somebody in this room? Some of us right now are going through some situations, and we think this is how it's always going to be. I've stopped by here to tell you the devil is a liar. It's not always going to be like this. But I've stopped by to tell you, gird up your loins, go through what you got to go through because God is going to resurrect you. I wish I was talking to somebody in this room. God is going to raise you up. You're going to make a comeback. Because listen, it can't be over until you rise. You ain't going to talk to me. Because my resurrection was predestined before the foundations of the world. Am I talking to somebody in this room? And we have to understand, uh, the Bible says that as it was earthy, uh, such are they that are also that are earthy, and in, in heavenly, such are they that are in heaven. So we have to understand, he said, the first man is in the earth, the second man is in the Lord from heaven. The first man, which is your sin nature, the first man, hallelujah, which is his sin nature, was created in earth. But he says that our second man, the new creature, and, and, and listen, I'm using this now conceptually. I know he's referring to the literal resurrection, but I'm, I'm using the concept to let you understand that when you begin your new life, a resurrection occurs. And when you begin your new life, you don't live your new life according to how you lived your old life because your old life represents your flesh. Am I talking to somebody in, your room, in this room? But your new, am I talking to somebody that's been there before? Huh? And I'm talking about anybody here ever lived in the flesh? I know y'all don't want to be honest. Anybody here did some things? And I ain't talking about after, I ain't talking about before you got saved. I'm talking about anybody done some things while you were saved. Anybody made some mistakes while you were praying. Anybody slip up while you were praising. Did anybody mess up while you was worshiping? Is anybody here being honest that you made some mistakes? God. Oh God, I'm talking to somebody in this room in here. But God raised you up. He didn't allow me to stay where I was at because he knew he couldn't complete the process of the earth until I rose up. I've stopped by here to tell you uh, that, that you are in the process, uh, that you are in the plan of God, that your resurrection is in the plan of God. And no matter where you are in your life right now, no matter what it looks like right now, no matter how bad it looks right now, I've stopped by here to tell you uh, that it's been prophesied Side, uh, that you are going to rise again uh, and I dare uh, any culture to come up against the resurrection uh, stop letting what your mother did uh, and what your daddy did uh, and what your denomination does uh, and what your job don't do uh, dictate who you are uh, you're not dictated uh, by external forces uh, but your dictation uh, 
come from something inside. Is there anybody in here that's got the Holy Ghost living inside of you? And it's a quickened spirit. And when it hears the word of the Lord, it responds. And because it's in my body, the spirit will raise me up trying to get to God. Because deep calleth out to deep. Is there anybody in here that knows that you're on your way to a comeback? Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't throw in the towel. Don't think that it's over. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Is there anybody in here that's ready to pull some things down? Pull down your blessing. Pull down your joy. Pull down your peace at night. Pull down your prosperity. I'll never lose a night of sleep over this. I'll never lose my mind over this again. I'll never wake up in cold sweats again. I'm not having another nightmare about this thing again. Because God is raising me up to another plateau, to another dimension. Is there anybody in here that's ready to go where Jesus is? Shout yes. Yes. Shout yes. Shout, I want to go. Somebody shout, raise me up. Raise me up. Raise up my thinking. Resurrect my lifestyle. Resurrect my mindset. Resurrect my spirit. Resurrect my body. In the name of Jesus, resurrect everything that you can use. Is there anybody in here? Despite what you've been through, want to be used by God. You're not disqualified because of what you've done. You're not disqualified because of the mistakes you made. For there, there now is therefore no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus that walk after the that walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Shout yes. If you believe it, shout yes. If you receive it, give him a praise in the house. If you know God has resurrected you, and I've got some good news. He's not just resurrecting me, but he's resurrected my family. He's resurrected my finances. He's resurrected my mind. He's resurrected my kids. It ain't no devil in hell gonna stop me. Listen, I'm almost done. Look at your neighbor and tell him, neighbor, get up. Stop lying there in mediocrity. Stop lying there in the, in the pool of distress. Stop lying there as being a victim. And get yourself up. Dust the dirt off your suit. And get back in line 
because I might be wounded, but I'm not over. It might look bad, but it ain't over. I might have lost some fingers, but I didn't lose my mind. Is there anybody in this room that's got enough fight to stay in the war? I dare somebody to give God a praise, to let him know I'm still alive and I'm thankful. I bless your name. I worship you. I honor you. I magnify you. Hallelujah. Give God the praise. Come on, high five your name. Tell it ain't over until you get up. It ain't over until you get up. It ain't over until you get up. It ain't over until you rise. It's not over until you resurrect. I know they counted you out, but it ain't over until God says it over. Hang on in there. 